Welcome to today's online message from Long Eaton Oasis Christian Centre. We are a church at the heart of the community, with a heart for the community. And we're so glad that you've joined us. We hope that you'll be inspired and encouraged today. Please don't hesitate to contact us. If you want to find out more, you can visit our website, www.longeatonoasis.co.uk, or you can direct message us. If you have a Bible with you, you might like to turn to 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 16 to 40. If you don't have a Bible, then just sit back and listen. So everything that we share as a church is uh, digitally recorded. It, it can be uploaded and you can listen to it for free again, if you so wish. Or if, you, if people have missed out, and you can listen to that as a podcast. So you can download that on uh, the Apple App Store as a podcast. You can listen to the messages that are shared here. You, if you, you're not conversant, you don't have that, then you can go onto our church website. And uh, if you go on to me, click on media, you'll be able to then just, you don't have to download it, you can just listen from the church website. It's all for free. It's an opportunity to catch up what is being shared and, and, and that's uh, there. So this morning, we're just going to take a theme, just for this morning, it's a one-off. It's something that I felt... Uh, really exercised on theme of fresh fire. And uh, I'm, so I'm going to read this. It's, it's going to be quite a long, long reading, but just stay with me. And then I'm just going to unpack this just for a few moments this morning. So it says in uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 16 to 40. Some of you will know this story well. Others, this will be a bit new. So in verse 16, so Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, is it you, the troubler of Israel, I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 450 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Verse 20. So Ahab went, sent uh, the word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Then he said this, Get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one of them for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on wood. But do not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first. Since there are so many of you, call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them and they prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted, but there was no response. No one answered and they danced around the altar that they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is God. He is a God. Perhaps he is deep in thought or busy or traveling. 
Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted loud and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was the custom, until their blood flowed. Midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time of the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Verse 30, then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, your name shall be Israel. With the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he dug a trench around, the la- dug a trench around it large enough to hold two sears of wheat. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces and laid it on the wood. And then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pull it, pour it into uh, as an offering uh, upon the wood. Do it again, he said. And then he said, do it again. Do it a third time, he ordered. And they did it a third time. The water ran down around the altar and into and filled the trench. It was like overly soaked. You get the impression, don't you? At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil. It also licked up all the water in the trench. The whole lot got vaporized, basically. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord is God. The Lord is God. Then Elijah commanded them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. They seized them, and Elijah had them all brought down to the Kishon Valley and they were slaughtered there. Fresh fire. Going to take a few moments to unpack the account that we've just read, uh, just in the next uh, few minutes. Uh, the background to this account that we've read, this story that we've read in the Old Testament, in 1 Kings, there'd been three years of um, drought, no rain. Three years of drought and famine. You could say it was an ecological disaster, For three years, the people had experienced an ecological disaster. Uh, No rain, absolute drought. The ground was absolutely parched by this time. And there was famine. You could say it was like an economic disaster, an ecological and economic crisis. Does it sort of ring a bell? It sort of rings a bell with what we're hearing on the CNN, you know, know, the BBC News. We're in an ecological crisis, a war crisis, you know, a health crisis. It's one, it, it, and this is the sort of background of, of that time. You know, over two and a half, I would say probably 3,000 years ago. This is dated about 3,000 years ago. And it had a profound effect on the Israelite nation. Um, this is the northern kingdom, Samaria, the northern tribes, but, but it had a profound effect. The effect was such that it, it caused the people to waver, to lose their way. It's, it's pretty, pretty understandable. I, I, meet, I meet a lot of people, who, and, and, and I may be rightly so. I'm not saying I'm not worried, but uh, who are very worried about the times that we're in, you know. And I, I'm attending lots of meetings for church leaders, 
missiologists speaking about the change of culture, that we're now entering a, 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 a new age. It's, it's as big as that. It's not just a bit of a pandemic has gone by, but society is now having a bit of a change again. There's a sea change taking place, which I've never been through in my lifetime. But that's happening right now, and people are speaking that way. And this is something that was happening right then at that time. And it had a profound effect on the faith and heart of that nation. And, and things, the, the, the things that we're experiencing right now are having a profound effect on the faith and heart of our nation, the psychology of our nation, the economy of our nation, the, the, fat, the life, the whole life of our nation. Uh, people talk about with the Queen um, passing, that's an end of an era. That's probably true. There is a certain, and, and it's as if we're, we're entering a, an era that we're not sure about. And with uncertainty and, and, different, and the chaotic state of things, it, it's very unnerving. That's, that's absolutely right. And this was a very unnerving time in the heart of Israel 3,000 years ago. And uh, we see that the people wavered between a, a number of opinions. And uh, we, 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 Elijah says to the people in verse 21 of the, our reading, how long will you waver between two opinions? The nature of the crisis, the nature of the age, the challenges that the people were facing in life, and in society, and in the world, and in, with the drought, and with the economy, and with making a way in life, and not being able to pay your way, and, and subsistence, and all that was going on in the nation at that time. It caused them to waver, and to, to maybe lose some of their faith, or lose a bit of their way. And they were caught in a number of opinions. People were following other gods, the god Baal, and they were following a bit of the god of the whole earth, Jehovah. And so Elijah says to them, how long will you waver between two opinions? How long will you waver? You know, crisis seasons and challenging times can knock us off course. They can knock your faith. They can knock us off course. It's definitely having that profound effect on our society. You think to yourself, when I wake up, will there be any, can any more go wrong? I know that the papers, the news thrives on bad news. That's the stuff that sells. That, get, that gets your attention. And so it, it, but there is a lot of stuff actually going on, isn't there, in the world today, in the world at large. And, and it can knock us off course. Not, and, and it can knock, knock your faith a, bit, a little bit. You think, what, you, you know, you can, we can be worried. And naturally so, we do. We will be worried about stuff and life. And, um, you know, it can lead us astray. We find that people's lifestyles are, ch are changing, uh, uh, habits are changing, routines have changed, family life is changing, and, uh, and with that, all sorts of other things present themselves as opportunities. There are different opportunities in life, and that can cause and take our attention, and our hearts and lives are being taken in lots of ways, and different avenues and different areas. It's happening in our society, it's happening in the church, it's happening in all, through all denominations. As I said, Andrew and I, Pastor Andrew and I, attended a, 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 a meeting just the other day for Elam Network in our whole region, and it was a missiologist, a guy called Ed Stetzner, which was saying, what's happening in America? What's happening in Australia? What's happening in Western Europe? What's happening? And this, these things can knock us and, and touch our hearts and, and cause us to, to lead us astray. And this is what happened in Israel at the time. They were wavering in, with, to lots of opinions can change our hearts and our heart attitude. It can change our whole outlook, our life outlook. And even within the church, people are saying, I don't know what it is, but before the pandemic, we sort of did this and there was this outlook. And after the pandemic, we're sort of back, but there's 
a myriad of outlooks and it's bewildering. And lots of church leaders are burning out saying, I just don't know if I can cope. I can't cope with all the different opinions and all the stuff that's going on. And uh, it can change our hearts and our outlook. And you've heard it said, and I've said it, and other pastors and leaders, and you maybe read it, you know, outlook. There needs to be, in that time, an outlook. We need to look to God. And this is what Elijah brings the people of Israel back to, is to see God again. You know, their outlook was wavering and going in all sorts of avenues and areas. And Elijah, in a very dramatic way, with God answering by fire, brings the people to look up, to outlook, is to look back at God again, make God the centre of their lives. Now this is interesting. So, there are three things that I, I, I tend to go in threes, as you know, and there are three simple things that I want to just touch on, unpacking this, as by way of introduction, and that we can learn from this account, this story, and that we can apply for our lives today, that I hope and pray will help you with your heart and life, and navigate the circumstance and the culture and the things that are going on right here, right now. And I believe God's speaking to us as a church right here, right now as well. And number one is this, um, and it's, it's that... Um, we're called, we're called to return during times of challenge and change that God, there's a call. During crisis and challenge, God call, still calls. God hasn't gone away. He's not left the building. He ain't left this earth. His hand is here. The Holy Spirit is here. You've got to look towards him. You've got to incline our ear. And with crisis and challenge, there's always a call. God always calls. He's looking for people to respond, to people to hear through the midst of all that's going on. And, uh, and, and, and so Elijah says to the people, come here, in verse 30. You know, in verse 21, he says, how long will you, you waver? And he, he starts to share. But then he, he says to them, there's this call to return. He says, come here, return, come back to God. James chapter 4 in the New Testament, James 4 verse 8, James the writer says, come near to God and he will come near to you. I don't know where you feel, where is God in your life? Where is God on the earth? Where is God in my family? Where's God at work? Where's God in this church? Where's God in our town? You know, there's all sorts of stuff going on. Lots of people on, the, on different Christian channels will say this and say that and say all sorts of stuff. And we'll hear all sorts of conflicting voices. And there'll be the voices of doom and gloom. And, the, and, the, and the, then the, the experts and critics, the experts the, that will be saying, this is what we should do, that's what we shouldn't do. And so God calls us to, in the midst of all of that, and this, and this, this is what we're facing in our own age right now. There's a call. And the call is, return your heart. Look to me. Jesus often said to people, what, what is it you want? So that their attention was on him. You're not to look at me. I know you're looking at me because I'm sharing at the moment. But we're called to look to him. And God calls us. And he's calling for a return, a return of heart. Now it's very interesting when James says, come near to God and he will come near to you. And we, we can find it in other things. And the people were. This is why the, Elijah said, why are you wavering between opinions? Why are you finding it here, finding it there, looking at that, following this? Come back to God. Return. Come to me. Come here, he says. There's a, there's a desire to return. The bringing of our hearts. So I don't know about you, but my heart could be pulled in many, many areas and avenues. I could be worried about lots of things. And there's a lot to worry about in the, in the world. I'm not pretending that. I know that. But God calls us and says, bring your heart to me. Your heart is going to be pulled in many directions. Probably is right now. Your heart and my heart and the hearts of the nations are being pulled in many directions. And people are looking for, what should we do? Where should we go? What is the answer? Politicians, please tell us the truth. God calls. 
There's a call. There's a call. There's a call to you and a call to me. Don't panic. Don't panic. Come to me. Hear me. Your heart. There's, but there is the doubt. We'll look at this in the next minute because I'll build on this. So there's a call and a return. Return to me. And with, with our hearts, with our minds, with the, the, there's a lot pulling our hearts now. There's a lot pulling at our minds, okay. But, but that leads me on to my second point. It's this. So Elijah says, come here. That's got our attention. God is now saying, come here. Come to me. God is calling us. Calling his church. He's calling his church back to him. The church in our nation and throughout the world is being pulled in many directions. Lots of ideas. And God is saying, come back to me. Now I'll build on that because with the return, there's a need to rebuild. Very often, when we've been pulled in many and are being pulled in many directions and our minds and hearts, we're fraying around the edge. And it's not wrong to worry, by the way. I understand that there can be worry, but there's a call to return. Then on that return, there's a need to rebuild. And we see this because it says there that Elijah repaired the broken down altar. The prophets of Baal, this is a Baal's a fertility god of the sort of, uh, like the Sidonians, the people of that area. And they were offering a sacrifice on the altar to that God. They'd given their hearts to that God. And Elijah didn't choose to offer on that altar, but he rebuilt the altar of the one true God. The danger is we build our lives on many altars today. We're following lots of things. We're following lots of things. And God calls us to, re- and it's a rebuilding of the altar. And so what we see is Elijah repairs the broken down altar of the Lord. It's on that altar, it's, it's a pile of stones, a number of stones, whereby you would then put on the kindling, the wood, and then on that a sacrifice, and then you would light that before and as an offering, as a sacrifice. And, and first of all, the altar had to be rebuilt so that the sacrifice could go on it. And you know, it was broken down, and the people had neglected God. And, they, and the, the, old, the true altars of God had got broken down. They'd gone off and followed other gods and the other gods and done their own thing and had their own life. And it's not wrong to have your own life and to do things, but it gets dangerous if you neglect the altar of God, if you, if you neglect your heart before the one true God. I mean, God is a jealous God. A jealous in the sense he wants our attention. He loves us that much. It, there's, a, there's a biblical term. And we've forgotten that aspect that the God... Commands, demands, desires, loves our whole heart. Nothing but our whole heart. And there's a danger. And this is what happened with the people. And, you know, the altar can be broken because of hurts. Maybe your heart is broken because of hurts. Maybe in church life you've had hurts. Maybe from other people there's hurts. Maybe in your, in, with your work there's hurts. Maybe there's stuff that's gone on in your life and it can break the heart. And, it can, and it, that can affect our relationship with God, the altar of the heart, the relationship with God. It can, you know, we've had a, a huge thing where our habits have changed dramatically with all the different lockdowns that came and, and, and uh, our shopping habits changed us, you know, I don't know about you, but I always was a bit old-fashioned. And, and Well, it's old-fashioned now, I suppose. But I, I'd always do cash. I was cash for everything. Now I've got a little card that I wave everywhere. <laughs> it's dangerous, isn't it, waving your card around? It's better to have cash. You think, oh, it's gone now. I'm a bit of a dinosaur, I suppose. You know, wave your card, you go, beep, beep. Oh, I've spent that much. Whereas cash, you think, oh, blimey neck. I've spent that much. And you know, our habits, I know that's habits, but our habits and our attitudes are changing. They're not all bad, 
But a lot, even in, in the life of church, in the gathering, in, with a Christian, in Christian hearts, there are some habits and attitudes and, and lifestyles and attitudes to, to God, to, to one another, to his church. That's you and I, by the way. Things that, not all change is bad. Don't get me wrong. There's good change. Change is always here. I'm not saying that. But there's stuff that's pulling up the altar of our hearts, our relationship with God. There's something is being eroded and change, and there's changes in the air and it's unsettling. But God calls us to return and rebuild our relationship with him, our worship, our love, our desire for him, for him, for him. You know, we are harassed and at work and in life. I, I, I understand. I, I mean, my, my own wife's a teacher and she's harassed. Feel, I, I, you know, I know people, nurses, harassed. You know, no matter what job you do, you're feeling harassed today because of the workload. And, and, we underst- and we understand that, you know, as a church, we don't try and do lots of things and put upon people's time all the time. We understand that people are hard-pressed and harassed. But it's dangerous because it destroys and breaks down the altar of our relationship with God. It's, it's insidious. It, fil- it, 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 it like frets away the life and heart. And before our eyes, the spiritual life begins to lose its vigor, its, its verve, its power. That's why we need to be revived. We need to become more vivid again. We feel pressured. Um, I, do you know what? I would say this, and I, 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 know, I don't understand what it is to be, be pressured and feel pressured, and I, I feel for a lot of pressured people today. But I honestly believe this, what I'm about to say. I believe the pulse of God deals with the pressure of life. My own life, the heartbeat of God, the pulse of God, deals with the very pressure of life. Look, this is not, there's a lot of pressure, there's a lot of worry, there's a lot of concern. So this isn't an easy statement I'm about to say, but I really, for my own life, this is what's working. The pulse of God, the heart of God, it deals with the pressure of life. It doesn't make it all go away, but it deals with it. Because Jesus said this, in this world, this is what makes us really get hold of it now. In this world, Jesus said, you will have trouble. But take heart, take courage. I have overcome the world. Isn't that amazing? And when we have his heart, you will overcome. You will come through. You know, this world is in the palm of God's hands. It's not over until he says it's over. Not Vladimir Putin. Honestly, I really believe that. I'm not just saying that as trying to be clever. I honestly believe that with all my heart that when it's only over until God says it's over. Only. The world needs to know. It's not that, you know, don't panic. I, I, the world is panicking. But our hearts, it's restoring our hearts, re, re, renewing our vigor, renewing the passion that we have for Jesus. And our relationship with him will flow again. And we'll get that. And I spoke about this a lot in our church. You get the boom, 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 boom. The pulse, the heartbeat of God. You, you and I need the heartbeat of God. We need everyone. The world needs the heart of God. And so we're called back to him. And, and we do that by rebuilding our worship, rebuilding our hearts, bringing our hearts in devotion to him. Uh, look, I would ask you this morning, and I'm, this isn't a pointed question to any individual, but I ask it of myself as well. Where is your heart today? Where's your heart? And who or what has your heart? Who or what has your heart today? The altar of our hearts. You know, so look, this is not wrong, but for some of us, worry has my heart. And I'm not, that, I, that, that is totally understandable. I understand it. 
But let's bring our heart back to him. Give our hearts to him. Worries and all. God understands. He doesn't say you have to be worry-free, then give me your heart. He says bring your worries. Bring yourself. Doesn't he? It's incredible. What a great God. Because we're not perfect and we can't make it right on our own. He's perfect and he makes it right when we bring our hearts to him. How beautiful is that? How amazing is that today? You know, where's your heart and who has your heart? You know, there are no other gods save him. And this is what Elijah was saying. You've got to re- you, you have to return. So you need to come away. You acknowledge that there's a lot of stuff pulling my life. It doesn't mean you have to give up everything that you do. But we've got to get our priorities right. Got to be, we've spoken as a church a lot over the years about being kingdom culture and kingdom minded. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then everything in life will be yours. It will come to you. Rebuild the altar of your heart. Now the thing is this, the rebuilding of the altar, repairing of the altar, rebuilding it and repairing it, it takes intention. You know, in the days of lighting a fire, I think a lot of people are going back to having a fire and putting logs on it because the electric's going to be a bit expensive. So logs, buying buying, buying, um, wood, everyone's scavenging for wood everywhere now because wood's too expensive because everyone wants to get a log fire or a boiler going or something like that. And people are nodding. You're probably doing that yourself right now. And um, there's a lot of wood on West Park. There's there's, there's parts of West Park where they've been chopping up trees. So... But don't say I've told you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, uh, it, I, I'm, I'm, I'm young enough, old enough to remember having a coal fire. And, uh, yeah, one of them things. And it's, it's trendy now. Everyone's getting coal fires. Everybody wants a log fire now and uh, to save on, on electric and all that business. But, um, you know, I was a bit younger. But my, my, it was, I don't know why is it, why is it mum's job. It was, my, it was always my mum's job. But my mum would rise early, rise early to clean out the ash. You know, Perry. Perry, well, we were talking about this earlier, weren't we? Perry rises early <laughs> to clear out the ash. So my mum used to rise early. She would clean out the ash, uh, put the kindling on, and if it was firelighters, I don't know what it was, and to light the fire. And it would take a bit of time, and you'd have to get up a bit early. And you'd, have to, you'd have to have a bit of an intention about you. And it's whoopee-doo, it's so good. Oh, yes, let's return to the Lord. Hallelujah! And the music's wonderful. But it takes a bit of work and intention, doesn't it, for your heart and my heart, to push through some of the worries, some of the old new habits that we've now formed that aren't good in my Christian life, to push through to back to God. It, it's going to take a bit of intention. I'm not going to pretend that, but it's worth it because you get a beautiful fire. When you get a roaring fire going, there's nothing like it. When you get a roaring fire, we're going to come on to that one in a minute. But, um, you know, and, and, and it was getting it ready that Elijah then put on the sacrifice. It takes sacrifice. It was when the fire was prepared, the altar was rebuilt, the, 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 the wood was on, um, that Elijah put on the sacrifice. It, 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 it's going to take a sacrifice. For some of us, there are some things that we need in this auditorium to sacrifice. It's not for me to tell you what, none of my business. And you're absolutely right. But what I am called to do is just put it out there. And it's that. It's as simple as that. For, for me, there are things in my, to sacrifice. Certain ideas, certain habits, certain pastimes, certain attitudes, certain things that have gripped us more than God holding in our lives that we are called to sacrifice. And it will be a sacrifice of intention, but it's worth it because when you light that fire, it's amazing. It's wonderful. It's beautiful and warm.
Finally, and with this we'll close, uh, when we return, we rebuild, we're in a position to refuel. And uh, you notice there it says, and Elijah said, um, don't light the fire. It's going to have to come from above, in other words. Elijah knew this, it was going to have to be supernatural. It wasn't something that, humanly speaking, we can whoop up, we can stir up, we can cause, you know, with, with all of our abilities and there's lots of ability, and within the church, facilities and ability, and, uh, and good ideas. And we need good ideas. We need facilities. I'm not, not against, we need all of those. But it's going to be supernatural. It's going to be of grace. It's going to be of the Holy Spirit. It's going to be through the power of the risen Jesus Christ, because of his shed blood on the cross. That's what's, and so Elijah said, pour more water on it. To make a point that, that this is going to be impossible, that this is going to be God, it, this is his faith. And, and, it was, and it said, the fire fell. With the bars, nothing happened, and they would be put to death. But with the fire fell. It can't be worked up, and it can't be caused from below. You know, we, and, and the fire fell, and there needs to be a restoration of passion of heart, desire and zeal. To be revived is to have new vigor, new verve, your spiritual heart and life. And for that, some things will have to be released, put the sacrifice, restore our heart, and then the fire of God will fall upon us. You know, throughout, and with this, now we're finishing right now, throughout history, crisis times and challenge have brought people to return to God. Be encouraged by this. Throughout church history and throughout the history of mankind, crisis times, challenges in the nations have caused people to look for something, and it's someone, and his name is Jesus. Throughout church history, what we call revivals, renewals of the church, spiritual release of power and the heart of God have come because of crisis. So what we're experiencing now is not new. This is history sort of repeating itself in another way. Maybe Jesus is going to be returning soon. God knows the hour. And we've got to get our hearts right and ready. Maybe Jesus is going to be returning soon. Maybe it could be not. And it could be. The Lord could be returning very soon. And these are the signs of that. Or it could be another thousand years. I am not sure, but all I know is my heart's got to be right, no matter what. And I'm going to bring that. And, and this is what we find throughout crisis time, throughout history, hearts have been revived by those who come back to God. And so today, will we return? Will you come and rebuild? Will you open your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to fill you afresh? Let's pray together. Perhaps the worship team will come back. That will be great. Bless you. Thank you for listening. May you be encouraged. Now let's respond. Hey, come on. Let's respond. No, 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 don't, no, no, no. Don't, uh, yeah, you can clap God, but let's stand together. The response is going to be our hearts to him now, isn't it? Let's respond to him. Come on. Let's, if, we, if you can stand, please stand. If you want to remain seated, you may. It's fine. So we're going to ask. So let's present our hearts before him. Let's present our hearts before him. And uh, God bless you this morning, dear people.